Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, please turn with me to the letter of 1 Corinthians. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this Lord's Day, looking at verses 10 through 17. Now imagine one day you're walking through a city, you know, maybe it's Nashville or Atlanta or Birmingham or somewhere else, and you turn down one of the streets to find a massive blaze. An entire building is just bursting with flames. Yet as you look on, defying the imagination, even perhaps somewhat ridiculously, there's something very odd about this building. Like I said, rather ridiculously, it was built out of cotton candy. So when they built the building, they used a deep foundation with reinforced concrete and steel. And so the foundation was strong, but the materials they used to build on the foundation were anything but strong, right? Now, without me even asking... You already know what would happen to that cotton candy building, right? I mean, it's gone. (laughs) It would be burnt up because it was all fluff, right? No substance. Well, today, Paul has much to say about that. Not cotton candy buildings. You're like, where is that in my Bible? I haven't seen cotton candy buildings. He's not talking about that, but about buildings, about the church, about you and me and us, and what materials we're using as we live out the Christian life. The works that we're walking in as we go on as the gathered, covenanted community of the local church. Are they substantial Christ-centered works, or are, they, or are they just a bunch of fluff that won't last, that when you stand before the Lord, they will be burnt up? So what materials or works are you, are we, walking in as Christ's church? That's the question Paul is after this morning in our passage. So to see this, let's read here beginning with verse 10. May God work in our hearts, in our lives, renewing, changing, transforming us at the hearing and the preaching of his word. According to the grace of God given to me, Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test 
what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now, as we read these words of Paul's, while some today might have a problem with repetition, and I actually even heard once someone say, you know that the devil is the origin of repetition. Well, let me tell you right now, that's not true. (laughs) You just read your Bible. How many times has God repeated himself over and over and over again? Here, Paul, he has no problem with repeatedly emphasizing a point again and again and again, which we find here as well. The simple point for us that Paul is making is this. It's to be what you are. Be what you are. I mean, this has been the heartbeat of Paul, and it's what he's been saying so far throughout these opening chapters of 1 Corinthians, to be what you are in Christ. That you, you're not to be primarily defined by. Your identity is not to be primarily founded in anything in this world. And as we have seen, as we've walked through these chapters, that is not a peripheral issue, is it? I mean, that is exactly right where our culture is right now. They're asking the question, what is my identity? Hence, what we just went through with Pride Month. My identity is this or that. But no, our identity as believers is founded and grounded in Jesus Christ in every single area of our lives. And everyone around us was made for God and made to live for God and to know him. And so Paul is saying, be what you are in Christ. And yet the Corinthians are what? They're not doing that, right? (laughs) Instead, as we have seen, they are a mess. They're acting like unbelievers who don't have the Spirit of God. We saw that in chapter 2, verse 14 through chapter 3, verse 4. And they have had this sort of rivalry going on over leaders. And we saw that in chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. And we saw it just not long ago in chapter 3, verse 4. And so as they have this rivalry going on, along with a lot of other things, as we'll see as we continue on in the letter of 1 Corinthians, Paul won't have it. In these verses, just before ours, these, in the verses just before ours this morning, in verses 5 through 9, he made clear what he and Apollos are. Do you remember what they are? They aren't there to be made much of, but they are there to make much of Christ. 
They are simply servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we saw last week, that brings them great joy. Let him be exalted in everything that we do. So in view of that point, that one, and the truth that as Paul said in verse 9, they, the Corinthians, are God's building. He launched into these verses here with all this discussion about foundations and buildings and so on and what, how, what, what are you building on the foundation. And so his big question is this. What is this building, this gathering, this local church, us, what materials are we building on the foundation? What is the quality of our work? What is the quality of your work, Christian? Now, before we get to that directly into answering that, we must know what the foundation of this building, the church, is. And by building, I'm not talking this building. I'm talking about Paul and his use of building. You are God's building. What is that foundation? Now, uh, the truth is, we already know what it is, right? I mean, Paul has already made plain what the foundation of the church is. There are not many foundations. In fact, there is no other foundation. Even more, there is no other foundation but Christ. And this is exactly what he says. I mean, he's been saying it this whole time, but he says it very directly in verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Christ is the foundation and no other. Not Paul, not Apollos, or anyone else. Not me. Not any future pastor you may have. Not even any past pastor you may have. Not any of the celebrity pastors that we have in our day. It's Christ and Him alone. Amen. As my friend and our former pastor, he said it very well. He said this. He said, Paul does not say that Jesus Christ is the best foundation. He writes that there is no other foundation. And this is exactly what Paul's ministry consisted of as well. So in other words, what we see here is that Paul was faithful. He laid this one foundation. And this is why Paul, he says in verse 10, according to the grace of God given me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Now, as you read that, notice that he doesn't, he doesn't take ultimate credit here. He recognizes even here, it was only by God's grace. He was faithful and planted the church of Corinth upon the one foundation of Jesus Christ. How? By the grace of God given him. So how then are we to build? Mustering up our own, you know, efforts. By the grace of God, friends. 
as a builder, he was simply following the plans and purposes of the master architect, his Lord and his master. Yet as he, he acknowledges here, verse 10 again, someone else is building upon it. Now, as you read that, he's not saying that as a negative thing. This isn't a problem because it must be built upon. That's his whole point here. He's saying, you're going to be building on it. How are you building on it? And so it must be built upon, even as Paul, he says in Ephesians, right? In Ephesians 4, he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so he says all that, and this leads us then to the major exhortation that he gives here at the end of verse 10. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Now this is an exhortation, but it's also a warning. Until Christ comes and his kingdom comes in all its fullness. You see, we must be careful. It is no exaggeration to say the Christly, Christ-centered foundation must define the materials and works that one uses to build upon the foundation. So in other words, it must be Christ all the way through. It's like, well, there's the foundation. Now we can do whatever we want. That's not the case at all. Now, how many of you like tea without sugar? Most of you, yeah, put your hands down, right? I'm the same way. I'm a sweet tea guy. So I love sweet tea, and I know you do too. And for those that don't, Lord's working on you. (laughs) Well, like sugar mixed into tea, so Christ is to be to his church. And the material we building upon it, they're interwoven, marinating everything as we go up and build on his church. Deviations from the centrality of that foundation will not do. It must not be music. It must not be the preacher. It must not be some ministerial program. Like if we do this, then people will come to faith in Christ. It must not be a church's history. I mean, this whole idea, well, this is the way that we've always done it. Friends, it must be Christ all the way through. He is the hope. From the foundation all the way up until we go to be with him in glory. And this is why Paul, he calls us to consider how are we building upon it? And so he exhorts and he warns that there is a fire coming. There's a fire coming. And we see this in verses 12 through 15. Now again, the big question is how is your work building expressly on the foundation of Jesus Christ? 
How is Haven Baptist Church's work building expressly upon Jesus Christ? Fire is coming that will test each one's work. Be tested on that day, on the day that Revelation 20 talks about that Tyler just read a moment ago. When you stand before the throne and the books are opened, what will come of all that you have done? What will come of all that we have done, Haven Baptist Church? You see, all of us, every single one of us, the Lord and the fire of God's omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient eye will burn away all the works that were built upon something else other than Jesus Christ. And so right now, this morning, you need to be asking, what is the quality, the aim, the central heartbeat of your life and of your works? And of our works at Haven. What are you building with? Are you building, he says here in verse 12, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw? Or even as we started this morning, is it just all a bunch of fluff that you're, you're building this sort of cotton candy building that is will most certainly be burnt up on that day? And so what will remain, church? Will anything remain of what you have done? And so Paul here, he gets two possibilities. And the first is reward for Christ-centered works. Reward for Christ-centered works. And he says this in verse 14. He says, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Now just see here again, and let's just be clear on this. Better to repeat myself than not be clear. The foundation is not changeable. It is not adjustable, and it is not malleable. It's Christ or nothing. The reward comes when our works are rightly built upon Christ, infused with Christ, and done unto Christ our Lord. Friends, this is why the cross is so vital in the Christian walk. Paul, he was not wasting our time in the opening chapters emphasizing the centrality of the cross and his unashamed preaching of Christ crucified. He's not intending that at this moment, now that we're in chapter 3, that you just forget all that and kind of move forward with something else. We are to be defined by the cross of Jesus Christ as believers. And your works as a believer, they're to be defined by Christ and the cross. Not this world. Not consumerism. Not the things of this world. Not your stuff. But be defined by Christ. So check your works this morning. 
reward for Christ-centered works. One possibility. The second Paul gives is the disclosure of Christless works. Christless works. Now, as he says all this, he's not talking about non-Christians. He's talking about Christians. This isn't questioning whether someone is a Christian or not. It's works done by believers, not for salvation, but works flowing from salvation. From your love and adoration of Christ your Lord, flowing from that. Not any effort to be saved or anything like that. Because no one will be saved by what they do. But only by what Christ has done. Now if you hear that though, and you say, oh, well, so I'll be saved. Okay, well, great. Well, then no worries, right? I'll just keep on trucking like I've been doing. Lackadaisical. Apathetic. And I'll just be this, just, you know, sort of do-nothing Christian. Well, that is the wrong way to receive Paul's words here. Paul, he is not writing this flippantly. He is writing this seriously. He expects that you and me will be concerned about this, to be concerned that, verse 15, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. He's saying, if you have a cotton candy building, it will not endure. You'll be saved, but only by the skin of your teeth. Now, this isn't, as some have said, this isn't talking about purgatory. This is not a purifying fire. It is a disclosing fire. It's disclosing the quality of your works. Are they built on, infused with, and aimed at the glory of God in Christ, or are they aimed at something else? Now, you might be doing many things, Or maybe you're not really doing any things. And with both, you're just building this cotton candy building that won't last. And friends, I'm not up here preaching to you that you would just say, well, okay, well, whatever. But we need to be asking the question, You need to be asking the question, I need to be asking this question of myself, are we, are you doing that? Are you simply building a cotton candy building? I mean, our lives right now compared to eternity, I mean, this is nothing. So how are you living your life? What are you valuing? What are you lifting up? as supremely valuable. And so we need to ask that of ourselves, but we also need to ask that of of our church, of Haven. Is our church doing that? Are we building a cotton candy church? You see, all this will be disclosed. I mean, 
it's going to happen. You're go we're going to know. And so the call here is this. Together and individually build upon the foundation of Christ. Together and individually build upon the foundation of Christ. This is a community call and an individual call for all of us and for each of us. That means that some of you need to see the churchly nature of what God is calling you to. Some of you might be living as though you're in a movie, and really the movie is all about you. Right? I mean, that's the way you're living your life. I mean, if they made a movie about you right now, what would be the centerpiece of it? Well, your answer to that question is telling. It's no good, friends. If you're living on an island by yourself sort of Christian, if you're that kind of Christian, a living on an island by yourself Christian, you need to repent. You are not saved to live apart from the body of Christ. The Lord is not calling you to do that. The whole passage, this whole passage here is churchly. Now, where do I get that? Chapter 3, verse 9. The you are God's building is plural. It's talking about this local gathered body of believers. You are God's building. So what might this look like? Well, it will mean a life, a church, and all of us together living lives defined by the cross. It means you will take up and live out the words of Christ as well. And you'll do that not by your own power, but by the power of the Spirit of God in you. It means the great commission by ourselves individually and together. It means discipleship and making disciples together. It means sound doctrine Together, it means a vision for the glory of God in all of life with the body of Christ together. No such thing as a living on an island by yourself, Christian. And if you're doing that, you are living in sin. So as we read these words of Paul and we see these possibilities this may be confirming for you as in you are built you are building on his kingdom or it might be convicting for you as in you are building a building aimed at a different kingdom maybe your own kingdom maybe you're just building on America's kingdom or maybe it's something else Now, honestly, it's probably the case that this passage is doing a little bit of both, right? For every single one of us in this room. Exposing hearts that have been living for something else. Working for something else. Now, as you hear all of this, there are some dangers that we are presently facing as Christ's church. 
You see, some of our works, and I mean this, and we need not think this is for some other church I'm preaching to you, but it is rampant in our land. Some of our works are strewn with apathy, friends. We simply do not care. You want to know what you care about? Just look at your budget. What comes to the top of the things that you spend and are aiming at? Our works are strewn with legalism. We're aiming to work and gain a salvation that we cannot gain. Moralism. And even buildings where we gather together, but we really are not worshiping together. It's really just every person for themselves, own private little kingdoms, their own private little spiritualities as we gather here this Lord's Day. The Lord's calling you away from that. Yes, you need to grow privately, but not apart from the body of Christ. So it is then that Paul, he goes on here to make clear what we are. In Christ, we are God's temple. In Christ, we are God's temple. Didn't word that accidentally. I didn't say in Christ, you are God's temple. We are are God's temple. Again, the you here is in the plural. So verse 16. Do you, plural, church, local, gathered, covenanted community of believers, members of the body of Christ, the local church, do you not know you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? This gathering... Incredible. And incredibly, we see here a deeply biblical image applied to us. A deeply biblical image applied to us. Now, what do I mean? Well, this this image of temple spans the entirety of Scripture from the garden temple in Genesis chapter 1 through 3, us being exiled from that temple in Genesis 3 to God's plans and purposes with the tabernacle and then the temple where his presence comes and dwells among the people. All of that pointing to the greater temple that would come and then here comes Christ doing what? Coming and dwelling among us, coming and tabernacling among us in the Greek, literally in John 1.14, taking on flesh and dwelling among us to now us, local churches, local gatherings, being the temple of the living God. Not buildings, you, us. We could be in a house right now. There we are, God's temple, gathering together. And so we... Local churches, local gatherings are the temple of God. Now you're probably like, well, wait a minute. 
Aren't we individually the temples of the Holy Spirit as, yet, as, as well? Well, yes, we are. And he'll say this later in this letter, in chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. He'll say exactly that. But here he's not saying that. It's the plural. It is an us, the church, this local gathering of believers, Haven Baptist Church, the members of Haven Baptist Church. So as he says this, though, as he's saying all these glorious things, wonderful, incredible things, he he's gives here also a real warning and a serious call to holiness. A real warning and a serious call to holiness. He says in verse 17, he says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now, as you hear that, not individual, what is he talking about? If you destroy my church, I will destroy you. Now, you're probably asking, now, what does he mean by that, by someone destroying his temple and God destroying them? Well, he's warning you. If you are an agent of destroying his local church, of dividing his church, of tampering with his church, of preaching, upon, preaching a different foundation, preaching a different word, preaching a different gospel, leading the church in unholiness, leading the church in sin, leading the church in perverseness, leading the church in false teachings, false gospels, rivalry, and evil, you are in very real danger. Which Paul is heading that direction as he continues on in the letter. And he'll address pretty much every single one of those I just mentioned. So see just how great and urgent this warning is for us today. Is there rivalry among us? Divisions. Temptations. Abounding. False teachings and error ever pressing in, ever drawing, ever enticing, ever fully. Friends, false teaching is everywhere around us. And as I talked to other believers, even as we went to Peru this past week, it was there too. It was everywhere. We must be careful. One Puritan, he said it well. Error goes out. And often comes in again. Schism comes not in, but makes a new church. Heresy makes not a new church, but no church. That's what the devil's after. He's after destroying you, destroying me. And so these dangers are real, and they are many, and they are ongoing, and they are growing. But as you hear all that, you might wonder also, so what, what about the difference between works burned up 
and those who are destroying the temple? That's a good question. And he'll give something of an answer in the coming chapters. (laughs) But here, he just leaves it as it is. He wants you and he wants me to feel the weight of his words. He's talking about final judgment. If you destroy God's temple, God will destroy you. As in no salvation, but as sure judgment forever. You will hear Jesus' terrifying words from Matthew chapter 7. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so this is a real warning for us as believers. And it's a serious call to holiness also. As God's temple, we're to care about how we walk and how we live. Yet some of you, and let me just say this, some of us take that too far. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you what I mean. So some of you need to hear that this is not a call for you to start a new class called 2023 Reasons to be a Pharisee in 2023. Like that call to holiness means let me, let me find a book and write all these rules. You know, practically, pragmatically, are you living that way in your homes, in your lives, in coming to church? Well, Paul, he's not saying that's holiness. This is a call to Christ to be more like Christ, to Christ likeness to the to the cross of Christ, to the fruit of the Spirit of Christ, to the love of Christ. And so you and I and all of us were being called to grow, to live, and to walk as what we are. You're not primarily, you just fill in the blank. Whatever your job is, you're not primarily whatever your nationality is. You're not primarily wherever your country is. You are the holy people of God. You belong to the Lord of glory. And so as God's temple, we are to care how we walk. How we're building upon Christ with all holiness and sanctification and a growing godliness in your heart. Friends, in your heart your affections, your thoughts, your desires, your choices, and in all of life. Not cotton candy works, but Christ-centered works. That's what we're called to. Yes, the church of Corinth was a mess. (laughs) Yet they us, you, and me are to hear his warning and our serious call to holiness, to works that will not be burnt up. We're not called to build cotton candy churches, nor are we to be cotton candy Christians, but you and we and all of us are to be what we are. We are God's temple, 
the church of the living God. So how are you building on it? How are we building on it? May you hear God's word this morning. And as God's temple, live as those built upon Jesus Christ. Him who is your life. He is your treasure. And he is our all and nothing else. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we ask that you would help us as we respond through song here in just a minute that we would come and lay our lives before you, lay our works before you and consider all that you have said here in these verses to ask what is the quality of our works That may mean and will probably mean that every one of us will need to repent in some area of our lives today. And so, Father, we pray that your spirit would work in our hearts, you would work in our lives and show us anything and help us. We pray that we would build our lives on Christ-centered works not Christless works, that Haven Baptist Church would be built upon Christ-centered works, not Christless works. Help us, Father, to take up these things and respond, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.